going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 61 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lichtman. Core, we had a plan to hop on a podcast this week at some point, definitely talk about the combine and give you guys a preview of free agency. And then yesterday happened, the insane quarterback news. Definitely excited to get right into it. I wish we could have recorded literally as it was happening. We got other things on our schedule, but we had to get you this episode ASAP. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk about the really big news that's happened in the NFL. One of the craziest days in recent memory, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been, a bit, it's been like a... Feels like it's been a while since we've, we've been on a podcast. Really hasn't been that long, but but yeah, I mean, after yesterday, big news breaking out. Even like before that, definitely had to uh, hop back on the deep ball and get back into it for sure. Yeah, Corey, we're gonna start first with the guy who is staying home, Aaron Rodgers, and the Green Bay Packers strike a deal to keep him in Green Bay, presumptively for the rest of his career. The contract details are not official yet, according to. Aaron Rodgers himself on Twitter. Um, listen, after all of that stuff that came out last year and how he was saying, oh, it's the last dance, I, I truly believe that Rodgers is not really going back to Green Bay. But sometimes, you know what I mean, you hear some things this offseason, some rumblings that Packers brought in a old quarterback coach who was a good, had a very good relationship with Aaron Rodgers. So maybe you're thinking, all right, obviously that's there to appease him. But I, I don't know. I just never, I never really felt that like, Rodgers is really going to go back to Green Bay. I don't want to say it's like a weak move in a sense, but I don't know. It seemed like his heart was out of Green Bay, and then all of a sudden now he's back there. So good for him, good for the Packers. But I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how I feel right now. I was really expecting Rodgers to be on a different team come 2022. Yeah, I mean, I, I expected definitely after uh, after the Packers lost to the to the 49ers in, uh, in the playoffs, I definitely thought Aaron Rodgers was out. Like, when you think about it, I feel like he has a good situation in Green Bay. Like, the team year in, year out right now, like, the last two years especially, have been, like, a Super Bowl contender. But they just haven't gotten done in the playoffs. So, I don't know. I mean, it's not like he was a free agent. Like, he would have had to have been traded. I thought maybe he'd go to a team like the Broncos. But, obviously, we'll get into we'll get into what the Broncos they – got, they, got, they got another quarterback, but – um, yeah, I mean, I think him going back to Green Bay is not a bad – I think it's a good move. Honestly, they, like – they've just been selling in the playoffs and choking in the playoffs. But, I mean, they have a – the defense is pretty solid. I mean, you got Devontae Adams, I think. I don't know, I think four more years in Green Bay. I think him in Green Bay, he has, a, he has as good of a chance of getting a ring there as he does anywhere else. I think the Packers are – are a good team. They just got to stop choking in the playoffs. So I don't know. I thought he'd go somewhere else, but personally, I don't, I don't dislike the move of him going back to, to Green Bay. Yeah. I mean, kind of what you're saying there is probably what Rogers thought process was that if Rogers went to another team, especially because he was going to get traded too, they were going to have to give up assets to send to Green Bay. I mean, would there be a better roster that he could really play for next year than the Packers? I mean, the Packers have a good roster last year. They were banged up and they were still the one seed in the NFC, even in that NFC divisional round game, they didn't have Bakhtiari playing that game. They didn't have, or Jair Alexander played like less than 10 snaps. Darius Smith didn't play a lot. I mean, those are three of, you could argue like top six, seven players. So those guys aren't even at 100%. And some of them didn't even play. You just had to get a little more healthy. They were banged up really all throughout the year as well. So I think Rodgers in Green Bay, that's probably the best roster he's going to have. Obviously, all the familiarity that with Matt LaFleur, Devontae Adams, that definitely helps. So I think for him to win within the next couple of years, I actually do think staying in Green Bay was the right decision. I, my, my whole thing, core is just that, like, you set your sights almost on definitely leaving. You know what I mean? You said that relationships aren't great. I don't know. I just don't think it looks like a very powerful move, if you want to say, from Rodgers going back to Green Bay. Not saying it's the wrong move and not saying that I'm going to hold Rodgers against it for some reason. But I don't know. I just, I don't know. Like, it, didn't, it didn't sit really easy with me that Rodgers, like, it, it will never sit well with me that last dance picture that he posted with Devontae Adams because they lost. And now that he actually went back, I don't know, but maybe it's another revenge tour for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, two years ago, won the MVP after they drafted Jordan Love, won it again this past season. Now he's coming off a uh, second-round loss to the 49ers. So maybe, again, he's going for a three-peat in Green Bay. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the only thing is, like, Aaron Rodgers, 
was obviously making like a pretty big deal in Green Bay, how he really didn't want to be there. And obviously came back, had this season was supposed to be like the last dance they lose in the NFC uh, divisional round to the 49ers. And then, I don't know, I think, it, I wouldn't say it's like a weak move, but just shows maybe this guy Rodgers, maybe the guy, I don't know, maybe he just likes, he just likes the attention. He, um, he just wants to, sh- he just wants, maybe he seems like kind of like, he just wants to show Green Bay, like he's in control. Like he's that guy. I guess he is that guy back to back MVPs. Like he just wants that attention. And I guess Green Bay gave him the bag. I'm the, I don't think it's about the money. I think this guy's made enough money in his career. I think at this point, y'all, he probably wants to get another ring, but yeah, he just wanted to show Green Bay is in control. I guess that's what happened. And now he's probably going to retire as a as a Packer. But, yeah, it's a little bit of a um, weird change of events, how he went from, like, he wanted to just be out of Green Bay to signing a four-year extension for $200 million. It is a little, uh, little weird how it worked. Yeah, but he is so talented still at this point in his career that the Packers are willing to, like, almost, like, push all that aside and really halt their off-season plans until they got – figured out what they could do with him and hopefully keep him. So good for the Packers, at least on like analyzing the situation, seeing that there was maybe a chance that he would come back and kind of probably offering him one, obviously a lot of money and two, maybe I'm thinking more control in the sense of like personnel wise. Like if you ask me, obviously Devontae Adams getting franchise tagged was going to, ha- it was probably going to happen anyway. It was going to happen anyway. And then regardless if they traded him or not, if Rodgers was there, but obviously Devontae Adams back in the fold, I'd expect him to get a contract extension pretty soon as well. Core, they haven't won wide receiver in the first round in a long time. I'm thinking maybe this is the year now that they go wide receiver in that first round, especially a guy who he's coming off a torn ACL, but Jamison Williams was, people would argue the top receiver coming out of college before he tore his ACL stock a little down. I'm seeing a lot of mock drafts of him in the mid twenties and stuff like that. Green Bay has really needed a second guy next to Devontae Adams. They were in on that Odell Beckham Jr. Sweepstakes. I think maybe bringing Jameson Williams, maybe a lot Traylon Burks. If he gets to them at what do they got? Like pick 20, like seven or something like that. I think that would be, um, a pick that Aaron Rodgers would definitely like. I, I'd say I, I wouldn't be. I'd be. I wouldn't be surprised too if they get another weapon in free agency. I just think that to bring Rodgers back, there's definitely like maybe something else that like you. Go, you guys are gonna go get another weapon for me. Yeah, I mean, obviously in the draft you could go out and get guy like, um, yeah, Traylon Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, maybe Jahan Jahan Dotson from Penn State, like guys like that. Or I mean, Amari Cooper. We'll get into that. Probably gonna be. Released, I don't know if the, I don't know like the cap situation, but I mean, you bring in Amari Cooper as your number two wide receiver and get a guy in the draft. I think it makes this offense like a lot more dangerous than it is right now. No disrespect to guys like Alan Lazard and Marcus Valdez Scaling, but I think if they were able to go secure like a top rookie in the draft or Amari Cooper, I think it would make Aaron Rodgers' job a lot easier. And I think the Packers would become a whole lot more dangerous. And yeah, I mean, the Packers really haven't been that smart in drafting. Like you go out and draft Jordan Love, who probably now is not going to play for at least four more years, unless like Aaron Rodgers decides to retire while he's in his contract, but maybe a little bit of a head scratching move there. I think um, Green Bay's front office right now can't, you can't like mess up another pick. Like, Aaron Rod, especially if Aaron Rodgers wants you to go get a wide receiver, I think you got to get it done. So I think 2022 might be the year they finally go a wide receiver in the first round. Yeah, I, I'm like I said, I'm thinking that that's the direction they're leaning on, especially with Rodgers coming back and almost how you had to like, I don't want to say beg him to come back, but you had to like, you had to put a good package out there because Rodgers' heart really wasn't sold in Green Bay still. So to bring him back, I think maybe that was something in a handshake agreement, I'll say almost that they bring in another weapon, maybe even in the NFL draft core. You mentioned Jordan Love and what's really next for him. I mean, the Packers front office is definitely going to be working the phones over the next couple of weeks and fielding offers for Jordan Love because this is a guy who was taken in the first round in the 2020 NFL draft. 
core. There's a weak quarterback class right now in the draft. I mean, if you put Jordan Love with two years of experience rated next to any of these guys, really, I know, I know two years of experience not playing, but like two years still in a Green Bay system and stuff like that. You put him next to any of these rookie quarterbacks. I mean, a lot of teams might take Jordan Love over any of these rookie quarterbacks. Obviously, he loses some value in the sense that you lose two cost controllable years on him because that's the big thing about drafting quarterbacks. You get four cheap years. But Jordan Love, I think he's making like less than $6 million combined over the next two years. So those are two cheap years. I mean, if you get pretty solid quarterback play out of him, that's an absolute steal at his price. You have the fifth year option on him. That could even be three years of team control. So I definitely think there is some value to be had in Jordan Love. I think the Packers, yes, they could keep him technically as a backup for like $2 million. That's not a problem the way his contract is structured. But at the same time, like, no, I think, for sure. If I'm an NFL team, a front office looking for a quarterback, I'm maybe throwing a second round pick out of Jordan Love. And if I'm the Packers, I don't want to say like you almost have to like eat your losses, but you kind of do. Like you can't afford to have this asset on your bench here. You're trying to win a Super Bowl. You have to kind of go all in and push your chips into the table. You bring in Rodgers. You're probably going to bring in another weapon. Why have Jordan Love on the bench? I know you could say, well, Jordan Love could be a backup if Rodgers gets hurt. Like, you can't prepare for that stuff. You know what I mean? You're going to use all your assets. You're going to bring in a backup who's not worth as much, and you're going to go for this whole thing in the next two years, really, with Aaron Rodgers, maybe even three if you're lucky. So I don't know. I think Jordan Love has to go, but I honestly think he's a very intriguing candidate, especially because the quarterback class is weak this year. The NFL draft and love is what, 24 years old, maybe. I mean, that's a potential franchise quarterback out on the trade market that you could get for pretty cheap. Yeah. I think, I mean, we haven't seen a lot of Jordan love, but like in the game, like you can't really judge him. He hasn't really been the guy like he's been, he's been stepping in, but like in the games that he's played, he hasn't really like fully impressed me. I don't know how front offices and on other teams would, would be thinking, but I don't know if I'm Green Bay and I was able to get a second round pick right away for Jordan Love, I would take that in a heartbeat, honestly, just because you have Aaron Rodgers and I don't know. I, I'm not even I'm not even 100 percent I know the QB class this year is not as strong as it as it's been, but personally I think teams, I don't know what their, their what their viewpoint is, but I don't know if team – I know he's a quarterback, but I think a second-round pick for Jordan Love, I don't know if that's uh, – I, I, I think it's kind of like the ceiling. Like, I could see a pit – I could see, like, teams, like, being, like, we'll swing you, like, fourth, third or fourth-round pick. I think Jordan Love is, has potential, but, like, he really hasn't done anything. And I know, like I said, like, he hasn't – he hasn't had, like, the rhythm to be, like, the guy in the offense. But in the times that he's played it, like – he has not looked overwhelmingly good. So, I don't know. I think second-round pick, if, if I'm Green Bay and I, someone offered me a second-round pick for Jordan Love, I'm saying yes right away. But I'm saying I think that's kind of like the ceiling. Like, I don't I don't really think teams are going to – I don't even think teams are going to offer second-round picks. I'm thinking more like third, fourth round. I'm not saying anything against him. Just like he hasn't, he hasn't really done that much, and he's been in the league for two years. But, I mean, hey – Teams are in need of a quarterback, so someone's desperate. Maybe they'll throw a second-round pick, but I don't know what makes Jordan Love right now. Like, unless teams, like, from the, from an eye standpoint, but I don't know what makes him better than even just, like, going out and just drafting one right now, just based off what he's done in the NFL right now. Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely fair. But I, I think you're going to get to be a little surprised, Corbin, when you see the compensation for Jordan Love because you look at, like, even, what is it now, two years ago with Sam – or last offseason with Sam Darnold – uh, he got, what, a second and a fourth, I think, the Jets got for him. And then they get, they got back like a sixth or something like that in that deal. So, I mean, I'm not going to say that right now from – but Jordan Love's going to have an extra year on his contract. Yes, Sam Darnold did show a little bit more than Jordan Love. Jordan Love's only really played in one game when Aaron Rodgers had COVID. But, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, what he goes for, I think definitely will be interesting to kind of compare to Jordan Love. I think it's a good argument to be had. I mean, as accomplished as Jimmy Garoppolo is and as unknown as Jordan Love is, would you rather have two, maybe possibly three years of Jordan Love at a on a like low scale deal, or would you rather have Jimmy Garoppolo for the next year? Like, who are you giving up more for? I think the the debates to be had that you would honestly give up more for Jordan Love, and I know he's this complete unknown, but it, it's part of the things with young with young quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to kind of swing, and I wouldn't be surprised if a team like Carolina, Washington, 
maybe in Pittsburgh to a lesser extent kind of said, all right, maybe this is a chance that we can get ourselves a franchise quarterback on the low and we're going to, we're going to go for it here. And Oh, another guy too, Josh Rosen was traded for a second round pick after his first year. That was awful. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, th- I think, I think there's a chance that he goes for a second rounder, but again, that's a thought to be had. And it depends how much people think of him in the league. You'd think that with the Packers really wanting to bring Rodgers back, of course, Rodgers is so good, but maybe they weren't too, set on the idea of Jordan Love taking over their franchise. And then if you ask me, a clear landing spot I thought it was, was where his old offensive coordinator went, the Denver Broncos. But, core, as we know, the Denver Broncos do not need a quarterback anymore. So that's one less spot for Jordan Love to possibly go. As I just mentioned, core, the Denver Broncos don't need a quarterback anymore because Russell Wilson, Mr. Unlimited, is going to Denver to the Mile High City and play for the Broncos. John Elway finally gets his quarterback that he hasn't had there since Peyton Manning. Core the package was huge. Two first-rounders, two second-rounders, a fifth, and then three players in Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, and Drew Locke. Core initial thoughts of the trade? I mean, who do you think wins this trade? I think in a deal like this, like, you can't really say – you definitely can't say the Broncos lost the trade. You get a major upgraded quarterback from Drew Locke. So probably a future Hall of Famer who's still, I'd say, is a top. I mean, he was injured this year, but I'd say when healthy, Russell Wilson still like a top five, seven quarterback in the NFL. So you can't really say. You definitely can't say the Broncos lost the trade. But I don't know. I think Seattle honestly got back a good um, compensation. I mean, they did get like Noah Fent, Drew Locke, two first rounders. I mean, those kind of guys know how impactful they're going to be. I honestly expect Seattle to go out and draft the quarterback, and maybe Julak gets the start to begin, but I don't know if they're really convinced like he's their guy. But, yeah, I think both teams did well. I think the Denver Broncos, I wouldn't say like they won the trade because I think Seattle did pretty well, but I think Denver definitely upgrades tremendously. Like you look at that team, have a good defense. They have good skill position guys. They got a good run game. I think the only problem, they were one of those teams like, the quarterback situation wasn't necessarily great. So I think you upgrade it. Russell, you get Russell Wilson at quarterback. I think um, you got to say that's definitely a win for them. I wouldn't say like they won the trade because I think Seattle did good, like I said. But I'd say definitely a major win for Denver to, um, to upgrade a quarterback like that. Yeah, that's like my initial thought here is that, I mean, I don't really get how you could say right now that Denver lost the deal because of the fact that it's so hard to get a top eight quarterback in the league and Russell Wilson undoubtedly is a top eight quarterback right now in the NFL yes the package is a lot but when you kind of break it down a little bit more I don't think it's as much as like I think it's a lot but it's not the Broncos had a lot to give I mean they got an extra second and a third round pick for Von Miller in that offseason in that trade deadline deal with the Los Angeles Rams they had a couple extra mid-round picks Noah Fant, yes, he's awesome, but they drafted another tight end the year after from Missouri in the second round. I'm going to botch his last name. I'm not even going to say it. His first name is Albert. So he's another – he's a guy right there that they kind of had already a, a lot of – like another – a tight end invested in, you know what I mean? So that's a young tight end who's going to slide right into that starting tight end role. Yes, Noah Fant's probably a better player than him right now, but who knows who even management liked more there. Drew Locke, again, was extra there. You know what I mean? Teddy Bridgewater was even the starting quarterback last year. Locke, this – like – so it, that doesn't even matter. Shelby Harris, it, that's a tough miss. Don't get me wrong. He's a good defensive player for them, but he's not like crazy young. It's not like you're going to really hurt over losing Shelby Harris. And then obviously the two first round picks, but what do you expect? You know what I mean? You have to give those up. I thought that you keep Pats or 10 in the deal. I think that's crazy. I think if I was Seattle, all negotiations for Russell Wilson with me, the Denver Broncos would have started with Pats or 10 on the table. I don't know how you don't get him out of this. He's one of the best Young, def- he is the best young defender on that team, one of the best young defenders in football. So I would have really liked to see him at least pack his bags and stuff like that. So for the Broncos to keep him, to keep Jerry Judy around, to keep Corlin Sutton around, uh, I think it's kind of a win in their sense too. And like you said, the Broncos didn't have a quarterback at all. Like, like Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke was a mess of a situation. Now you have a quarterback you can confidently say we can go win a playoff game for short and we can put ourselves into the conversation as contenders. Yesterday, or now two, two days ago, the Broncos couldn't say that. But when, once they make that deal for Russell Wilson, they can say that now. So that's why I think it was almost like a mush trade. I'm not going to say that necessarily it was like they it was a robbery and they won the trade, but it was a must. Like when Seattle 
said, this is our deal for Russell Wilson or whatever, or Denver was like, should we offer this? It, it, it wasn't even a question if you asked me, you have to offer this. This is, you could justify this for Russell Wilson. Now on Seattle's side, I don't, of course, giving up a, a guy as talented as Russell Wilson, it's going to be brutal on the city and stuff like that. It's going to be brutal on your franchise. I mean, this is a guy who's, again, played quarterback for you for 10 years and stuff like that. But Seattle was going to be the worst team in that division next year, no matter really what they did. Their roster is just not great. They don't have a ton of assets. And if you look again, the Rams, the 49ers, probably two of the top three to four best teams in the NFC. And honestly, throwing the Cardinals and make that even the year three of the top five to six teams in the NFC, the Seahawks were definitely looking at maybe, um, yeah, maybe a tough season again. So it's almost like, why are you going to put yourself through a mid-level season here? If we could just tear it down or rebuild and maybe get back quicker. So from that sense, I don't hate it, but losing Russell Wilson is obviously going to be brutal for Seattle Seahawks fans. It's, an, it's the end of an era, but, um, yeah, I, I think both teams did okay. They got a lot back for him, Russell Wilson, but they absolutely have to nail the quarterback position soon. They have to have a plan at quarterback because you can move on from your franchise quarterback and be okay in a rebuild if you get that franchise quarterback and take over. But, I mean, if the Seahawks, right, go 10 years without finding their new franchise quarterback, it's almost going to be like what a mess of a trade that was. They should have just let Russell Wilson, like, have a couple, like, the good years, obviously, but maybe the team wasn't as good, and then we'll get them back in a couple seasons. But I, I don't like. I think at nine right now, which is the pick that they get from the Broncos, they're definitely going to be looking quarterback. But they absolutely have to have a plan there because if you don't, this trade could go really bad for Seattle. Yeah, I mean, unless they think Drew Locke's their guy, which I don't think he is, I'd say yeah, I'd say you definitely got to go quarterback. Maybe Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Desmond. Or, I don't know who it is, but. Someone along that line, yeah, they gotta, they kind of gotta find their guy. I don't know personally. I think Seattle. I don't know. It was like their first bad year in a while, and Russell Wilson missed a lot of games. Like there were a lot of injuries, so I mean they got back a decent amount for him. But yeah, I mean if Malik Willis or whoever it is, like doesn't pan out as your franchise quarterback, you could have looked back because I don't know. I think. I think also, yeah, I think also the fact that they're in such a tough division with the Rams, Cardinals, and 49ers plays a factor. But, like, I still think Seattle with Russell Wilson, like a full-year Russell Wilson is still an above-average football team, in my opinion. I guess the division did play a big factor, but I don't know. I think, like you said, I think if it if, if they're if – like, if no one turns out to be that franchise quarterback, it might it might, like – look like a complete mess in a few years. And if Denver is able to get to the playoffs and be a contender in the AFC somehow, then it'll be obvious they won, obvious they won the trade. So yeah, Seattle really in the in the in the in the draft FAs to find a quarterback, I expect I fully expect them to go quarterback. I don't think Drew Locke is the answer at quarterback right now. So yeah, we'll see how that takes them. But yeah, Seattle's front office definitely has to um nail this pick and get a guy who, who could be um, the future for their team. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll stay on Seattle's thing, and then we'll get into Denver after and where they stand in the AFC. Of course, Seattle also released Bobby Wagner, too, one of their defenders, again, middle linebacker, really the staple of their defense for the last, again, nine to ten years and stuff like that. So it's going to be a rebuild in Seattle. They have that ninth overall pick. They don't even have their own first-round pick because of the Jamal Adams trade, which if you look back at it now, looks even ten times worse. They gave up two first-round picks. In those two years, you made the playoffs once and you lost to the Rams at home to Jared Goff, who had one hand in that game. And then obviously this past year, they didn't even, I mean, they should have had the 10th pick in the draft, but they had to send it to the Jets in the deal. So I wonder who goes next. I wouldn't be, actually wouldn't be surprised if Adams maybe dangled a little bit unless they want to build the defense around him, which again is possible. Jamal Adams is still a good football player. Um, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett will be two other guys. I really don't think Metcalf's going to go. He has one year left on his deal, so he's going to also have to get paid. I think Lockett would be more likely to go. He is also a little older there. But, yeah, they got, they, they're got they going to have a lot of picks, too, now. they got to rebuild that team. I mean, a team that maybe hasn't drafted greatly. Like, they haven't drafted well in the past couple years. I know they drafted, like, Rashad Penny, uh, LJ Collier was in it. like their last like four first round picks. I was looking at that. I've honestly like kind of been tough. Jordan Brooks is probably the best of the four. So 
for a team, yeah, maybe hasn't had the best recent success in the draft. They got to get these picks right. The biggest one, though, will be at number nine. I heard some rumblings, core that they really did like Malik Willis, and Malik Willis was really presumptively, like, walked out of the combine as it looks like the number one quarterback, how well he interviewed and stuff like that. I think, again, it's a lot team-specific and certain teams off certain quarterbacks rated higher than others. But I think if they believe in Malik Willis and Malik Willis can be a franchise quarterback and they take him this year, I think then Seattle could put themselves in a really good position two, three years down the road by making this trade. But as we've kind of came back to on this point, that it could get really messy if Willis busts or if whatever quarterback they take there doesn't pan out, then it's almost like you just invested three to four years in that guy and trying to make it work and it doesn't. So it could get messy for Seattle. Uh, There could definitely be a lot of pieces moving but, I mean, they had success, prolonged success. Russell Wilson, that was the first year that they finished under 500 or Russell Wilson. So, you know what I mean, Core, We've dealt with a lot worse as fans recently of the Jets and the Giants. So, Seahawks fans, you could deal with a couple seasons of losing here. I mean, again, that run from really like Russ's second year, I guess you would say. So, what was that, 2013 to basically, I guess, last year, you would say, was pretty good. You got a Super Bowl out of it, probably should have had two, but – Russell Wilson returns to the team that he absolutely destroyed in the Super Bowl. And that team, the Denver Broncos, can now kind of cement themselves core as an AFC contender. I think, again, before yesterday, we wouldn't have said that. But now, core, I'm curious to say, like, if you had to give me a number, like what team, where they rank in the AFC, where are you putting the Broncos right now? See, like, they, I think that these are the two hardest divisions in football. I still personally put the Denver Broncos as the third best team in the AFC West. But I I think that division is good enough to produce three playoff teams. But the thing is just like the AFC is so deep, like looking at it, I think obviously you got to put Kansas city above them, the bills above them. I'll give my respect. I'll put Cincinnati above them. Honestly, after that, looking at it, I don't know the future of the Colts and the Titans, I'll put the Titans above them for now. I'd say you. I think the Broncos become a top seven team, top six, maybe top five. Like, I'd say, yeah, I'd say the only teams definitely better than them right now are probably Kansas City, Buffalo, and I don't know. I know Cincinnati just made the Super Bowl, but I'm honestly not, like, fully sold that they're going to be, like, a perennial contender in the AFC. I think, they kind of, I think they're good, but I think they kind of went like – on a run in Tennessee, obviously, um, I don't know what their future is quarterback. I'll say those four teams though are better. And after that, I mean, New England's good, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, in the char- in the char- I said the Chargers are better. I don't know, it's so deep, but I'll put them in the five to six range. Honestly, I think Denver could uh, definitely be a playoff team. I think if I think they should be a playoff team. If not, then you just got Russell Wilson. I think you better make the playoffs. So. I think right now, without seeing how they play together, I'll put them at the five to uh, six range in the AFC amongst the, the top teams. Yeah, I mean, we just were talking about losers of the trade. If the Denver Broncos don't make the playoffs, they are the big loser of the trade. I don't care what happens with Seattle and what happens with all those draft picks. They are the loser. Yeah, I think right now, obviously, the Bills and the Chiefs are definitely above them. But honestly, with the offseason still having to t- pan out, I'm assuming Denver's going to bring in a couple guys. I wouldn't define definitively then put a team at three over Denver. Yes, do I think that there are teams that are better than Denver? Yeah, like personally, I think Cincinnati right now probably better than Denver, right? I think that the Titans also probably better than Denver. I think maybe a healthy Ravens team could be better. The Colts, if they figure out a quarterback team, maybe could be better. But again, we couldn't have this conversation yesterday and even try to argue the Denver Broncos. But now at Russell Wilson, you could say that they're right in that three to five range, I'll say, in the AFC. I really don't think they can be better than the Chiefs and the Bills either. Who knows, obviously, when it comes to the playoff times and stuff like that. I think they are better than the Chargers now, though, that, which is one thing that's obviously huge for them to leap them in that division. That division's going to be stacked in the AFC West. I mean, poor, like, I mean, Derek Carr, honestly, is a great quarterback in his own right. But, I mean, you're sharing company with three top eight quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, that's not – it's not too kind. It's going to be definitely the Raiders, if they make the playoffs next year, are going to completely earn it because of who they had to go through to make it there. So, yeah, I think the Broncos are true AFC like championship Super Bowl contender, which, again, yesterday you couldn't say. And I think that ultimately, like, come playoff time next year, I think that they will be, again, yeah, 
right in that range. I, I guess I'm a little higher on you. You said that kind of five to six. I'll go. I guess I'll go like I'm right there. Honestly, I'd say like the fourth, fifth best team. I, I think. Yeah, I think you're still putting the Titans over them there because people can say, oh, Denver has like all these good skill groups. They got a young defense and stuff like that. But at this, at the end of the, you got to produce. You know what I mean? These games aren't won on paper and stuff like that. So now that Denver kind of has this like all this hype around their team, let's kind of see some numbers. Let's see some wins in the win column. So. Definitely an exciting time to be a Denver Broncos fan. And let's see if they can finally get back to the playoffs. I don't believe they've been back to the playoffs since they won the Super Bowl in, was that like 2015, then 2016, the Super Bowl. So for them to finally get Russell Wilson, obviously as a franchise quarterback, hopefully that sends them in the right direction. I think Teddy Bridgewater is still under contract there too. So maybe you can get a draft pick out of him. I don't really know what he's worth too much now, but I guess you get a mid-round pick for him or something like that. So the Broncos, I'm sure, are going to have a lot of moves. I know Von Miller was teasing too on social media that he's going back to Denver. So, when, but when again, that's like another off effect of the trade. When you have Russell Wilson and bring him in and you look like a very good contender in the AFC, people are going to go want to play for you. So they're going to be able to bring in some guys on cheaper deals in Denver because they want a chance to go win a ring. Core with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, kind of the dominoes to fall early in the quarterback carousel. I mean, who do you think is next to go? I mean, you got Garoppolo, you got Wentz out there, Winston. I'm curious, uh, anybody specifically who you're thinking now, like going to a certain spot? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a little bit of a, not really bold, but I'm gonna say Jameis Winston, next guy. I think he goes to to the Washington football team. I think – see, that's the thing. Like, Washington already has Taylor Heineke. And I think, like, if you ever – like, I don't know how much of an upgrade, honestly, Jameis Winston is over Heineke, especially coming off an ACL. I think Heineke – Heineke's good. Obviously, I think Winston's more talented. But, I don't know, I think – I've been seeing stuff like that. They're kind of interested in Jameis Winston. So, I'll say – I would say a guy like Deshaun Watson, but he's kind of just, like, not really – as relevant just because he hasn't played. But, yeah, I'll say Jameis Winston, next guy off the board, and he goes to the Washington uh, football team. Yeah, I've seen some reports about that, honestly, in the last couple of days, and that's definitely interesting. I mean, Winston was brought in to New Orleans, and obviously a lot of the same guys are there, but the biggest guy, Sean Payton, isn't there. That's probably what was Winston's biggest advocate, too, in the building and stuff like that. So with Payton not in the building, I don't think it's a complete lock for them maybe to stay with Winston. I think there's a chance that maybe they go try to draft the quarterback. They do still have Taysom Hill there, so maybe even paying Winston would be tough to justify paying two quarterbacks, obviously, with their salary cap situation. So the Washington football team, a team that struck out on a couple quarterbacks, a team that was willing to give up a lot of picks for Russell Wilson, but they didn't have the players to give up with that could potentially be in line to get a quarterback in Jameis Winston. I definitely like that. They're definitely going to be in play for a quarterback, whether it's in free agency. And if they don't get a quarterback in free agency core, run to the bank because I think they're definitely going to take one in the NFL draft. I think from this too, I think Jimmy Garoppolo to Indianapolis looks even more perfect in a sense, especially with more news coming out that Carson Wentz, like, it was more of him as a leader that they were kind of fed up with. Garoppolo, obviously a very loved guy in the clubhouse in San Francisco or in the locker room, I should say. We're not playing baseball right now in there. So you know what I mean? I think that Garoppolo, again, he's kind of proven that he's a leader. Good background, too, under Tom Brady in New England and stuff like that. Guys kind of really galvanize and really speak highly of him, I should say. The Niners is a great reflection of the type of leader he is there. So, yeah, I think that him in Indianapolis makes a lot of sense, especially without a first-round pick there. Trubisky's another guy in free agency. But core, the one guy too I definitely want to talk about is like, of course, Deshaun Watson and all his legal stuff. We've mentioned that it has to get figured out and stuff like that. Maybe we're going to get some clarity on this at the end of this week. But core, looking at that package for Russell Wilson, if Watson, I mean, right, I think he should serve a suspension if obviously some of the stuff is true, of course. But I mean, if if he's good to play, let's just say, right, who knows? We'll, we'll speculate. I'll give you a four to six game suspension, which, again, would be significant. But like in the long scheme of things, he's what a, under a contract for four years. Not crazy. I mean, look at the package that Russell Wilson just got. I mean, you th- you'd have to think Deshaun Watson's going to get more, right? Yeah, I think at this point, um, Deshaun Watson's obviously, I think obviously a year off, full year off from football, maybe some other games like. I don't know how it affects him, but he's still a young quarterback who would be in his prime. So I would say Deshaun Watson goes somewhere. I think he does get a bigger 
draft compensation than Russell Wilson, just because Russell Wilson's kind of a little bit older. But I don't know, maybe – I don't know how the suspension stuff affects it, but I'd still say Deshaun Watson I think is at least worth like three first-round picks or like two first-rounders in if you're like a decent quarterback or a decent player in exchange. But I'd say at least like without good players, like another key player in return, I'd say Deshaun Watson I think is at least worth – Three first round picks. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I look at this package that Seattle just got for Russell Wilson. If I'm the Texans GM, I'm like, all right, well, this is the starting point. I want two ones, two twos, three impact players, or if you can't give me the three impact players, I want that made up in draft picks almost. So you're looking at, I mean, which is kind of consistent with what they wanted. Their whole thing when they were talking with Miami was they wanted six combined, either first, second, or like impact players. They wanted like three ones, like two twos or whatever. I'm like, another young player coming back in the deal and stuff like that. So it'll definitely, we'll have to wait and see if it plays out. It might not, like I said, with what happens with Watson's off the field stuff, but if it's figured out, I think it's definitely interesting to speculate how much he could really haul for the Houston Texans. And honestly, the Texans really don't even need a young quarterback back. Cause it looks like they're going to give Davis Mills a shot. So that even means, all right, well, we don't need like, you know what I mean? Like some teams would be like, Oh, we'll give you our young quarterback back. That has some value. Well, for the Texans, no, it doesn't because they already have one in Davis Mills. So they want to give a shot. So that means even more draft picks and even more impact players potentially to rebuild the Houston Texans. One of the guys that I'll mention, Gore, is Carson Wentz, obviously on the quarterback carousel. And I mean, right now, I don't know where he exactly fits. If he, if he were again, all speculating here, he's expected to be released by the Indianapolis Colts. And again, after all of this has come out, I don't think that there's any way that Carson Wentz could go back to Indianapolis. But I think that Pittsburgh's maybe a little bit of an interesting fit. I think New Orleans, again, could be one. And if Washington doesn't go with Jameis Wentz, I think maybe that's another spot that you could see Carson Wentz in 2022. Core, finally wrapping up those two trades, we can kind of get into some of the other league news that has been going on. The franchise tag deadline was yesterday. So obviously everybody like who wanted to get tagged, they had to tag their guys here. Core, we'll start first with the tight ends. I mean, three tight ends are franchise tag. David Njoku, Dalton Schultz, and Mike Gesicki. I mean, they're getting, I think the franchise tag was $11 million at tight end. Which if you ask me, I look at all th- any three of those players, I think $11 million per year. Honestly, I think it's pretty high. I know it's one year and stuff like that, so you're not tied down to multiple years of paying. But I don't know. I just don't think, like, I don't see any of these three guys that are really popping me. I know Gesicki has a lot of untapped potential that maybe Mike McDaniel wants to bring out. But Gasicki, like, not really as much of a blocker as George Kittle was in that scheme. And say, I think Gasicki definitely does a lot more damage when he's, like, out in the slot and stuff like that. And maybe could be a mismatch there. So I'm curious to see how McDaniel wants to use him in their offense. But uh, I don't know. I just I definitely was really surprised that Njoku, knowing that they have Austin Hooper under contract. No, Hooper hasn't been great for them. But to pay, like, Hooper, what, to pay Hooper, like, $11 million to also pay Njoku $11 million. I don't know. Something that's, like doesn't seem right there. Schultz was good for Dallas. I don't know how Dallas has any money to franchise tag him, but yeah, Najoku was the one, if you ask me, that made, that doesn't make a ton of sense, I should say. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I think Mike Gusecki and Dalton Schultz, when it comes to their, to like their respective offenses, I think are, are pretty involved. Like they're honestly like key pieces for, at least, like they, they get a lot of, they get some decent amount of targets for, for the tight end position. But yeah, I mean, like, David Njoku, I don't even know how he did. 475 yards this year. Like, I don't know. You have Austin Hooper. I mean, the franchise tag maybe doesn't make that much sense. I definitely think the other two guys make way more sense. But I guess every front office has its own explanation. I don't know how much it really does make sense, though. I don't know. Maybe a little bit bit of a head-scratcher, but for Mike Kosecki and – Dalton Schultz, I think both those guys bringing them back is um is a good move. I think both those guys as playmakers for the offense were were pretty good this year. So I definitely like those moves. But Najoku, not really sure when you have um another tight end in Austin Hooper there. Yeah, one tight end who was not franchise tagged as well was Evan Ingram by the New York Giants. They- obviously did not choose to franchise tag him, which was by no surprise at all. It looks like that the Giants and Ingram are going to part ways. A lot of teams are kind of telling Ingram that, they look, that they're going to look to use him as a slot receiver this year. I mean, Evan Ingram is going to get paid 
I'm telling, I'm warning you guys this right now. Evan Ingram is going to make a number per year that people are going to be like, what? That is a severe overpay. But again, I mean, you look at these guys being 11 million a year right now and Evan Ingram has all the leverage right now in his contract talks. You don't think Evan Ingram can get paid as much as the Joku show, especially because listen, Evan Ingram is so talented. The Giants just never could utilize his skill set to the full potential. Like if Evan Ingram was in a more pass happy offense, I mean, the guy probably would have, and I know he made like a, a like a Pro Bowl that he did not really deserve, I should say. Well, listen, everybody deserves a Pro Bowl that I guess they make it. But, you know what I mean? Maybe not. A lot of people would say he didn't deserve it. I'll just go with it. He probably would have made more if he was on a team like Kansas City even maybe, and he had Patrick Mahomes going to him. So I think that there's going to be a decent market for Evan Ingram, and it's going to surprise some people because Evan Ingram kind of has this narrative of he can't catch the ball and stuff like that. He always chokes, which some of it is true. But at the end of the day, Evan Ingram's talented. I don't think the Giants maximized his talent, but – I think that when you look at these three tight ends who are franchise tag and you look at everything, I'm going to hit the open market. I think that there's a chance for him to get a lot of money. Core, talk about two guys now real quick. we got franchise tag back-to-back years. Chris Godwin, obviously coming off that torn ACL. The Buccaneers want to keep him around. They don't want too much change with Tom Brady not there. And Cam Robinson, the Jaguars left tackle, who it almost seemed like they franchise tagged him out of necessity last year. They were just like, we don't want a different left tackle for Trevor Lawrence. And now going to get it the second straight year kind of almost makes you think that maybe Jacksonville at number one is leaning against going with an offensive lineman and instead wants to go on the defensive side of the ball. We think that would mean Aiden Hutchinson at one. Obviously, I think you have to wait and see what they do in free agency. But I think if the Jacksonville Jaguars go spend on another tackle in free agency, again, you'd almost have to think that Aiden Hutchinson at number one would be a lock. I know Kevon Thibodeau, his stock has kind of fell a little bit. Teams don't really love him like he he didn't interview great with teams is what I'm trying to get at so I think that Hutchinson right now could definitely be rising up from that number one spot where it almost seemed like maybe they would go with Evan Neal or uh Ekem uh I forgot the guy's last name from North Carolina State so yeah definitely think it's interesting to bring back Robinson it definitely kind of gives you a little bit of clarity for the NFL draft yeah I mean I think to bring back an offensive lineman like that I think Jacksonville, unless they just really want to build up for Trevor Lawrence, I'd expect them. I mean, the team has a ton of holes. So I think if you bring back offensive linemen like that, um, instead of like overly vamping up your offensive line, you go and try fill out another hole. I think, yeah, I think Aiden Hutchinson probably should be the pick here. I know um, Thibodeau was supposed to be like the number one pick. I didn't know, like, I don't know if stock has been falling, I've seen. But, yeah, I'd say DN, probably uh, the move for the for the Jaguars in the draft. Yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking. Of. I think Aiden Hutchinson probably should be the pick to go to Jacksonville. I think they definitely got to get something on the D-line and upgrade over there. After you just franchise-tagged um, Cam Robinson, um, a good offensive lineman. So, yeah, I think defensive end um, looks like it, it, it should, be the, should be the pick with the first pick. Yeah, and I mean, even the energy that Aiden Hutchinson brings can definitely help galvanize some of the troops in Jacksonville because they have really had not a lot of life there the past couple of years. Obviously, them finishing with the worst record back-to-back seasons. Two more guys we got franchise tag. We'll just go over it real quick. Jesse Bates and Orlando Brown. No surprises here. Jesse Bates, one of the best safeties in football. Orlando Brown was acquired in a trade last offseason from the Baltimore Ravens. Expect both of those guys to get extensions in the near future. Two guys who weren't franchise tag jc jackson of the new england patriots it looks like they are going to let him hit free agency i think jackson had a, i don't want to say double digit interceptions i might be wrong he probably, but he had a lot he had probably like around nine or something did, did he get double digit score i don't think he did i was gonna say, i don't know either i was gonna say he had at least seven i think oh, he had eight he had eight interceptions Okay, there you go. Thank you, Corey. So eight interceptions last year. I mean, the guy has a knack for the football. They moved on from Stephon Gilmore because they kind of knew that they had Jackson there. But now it looks like they're going to let him at the open market. So I'm definitely curious to see what where they go, at least at the cornerback position. The other guy, Harold Landry from the Tennessee Titans, kind of had a breakout year this past year. He wasn't franchise tag, but they did just extend him, I believe, five years, $87 million. So they're paying Bud Dupree a lot of money on one side. They doubled down with Landry on the other. I'm sure Jeffrey Simmons is going to have to get paid very soon. He's an unbelievable interior defensive lineman there. So the Titans at least kind of revamping their team and getting ready for another playoff run. Core, we had some other news that we're going to go over. I mean, this was this came out on, what was it, 
Monday, and now it seems like it's so old because of all the new quarterback news that we've had. Calvin Ridley suspended at least one year for gambling while he was away from the team. It said it has been said at least that he wasn't gambling against the Falcons. He also wasn't given any insider info and stuff like that. Core, I think the initial reaction, especially from the public and stuff like that, is going to be that this penalty is too harsh, which when you put it in comparison to other suspensions that Roger Goodell has given out, for sure, it definitely is. At the same time, though, there's just a golden rule in sports. You don't gamble on your own sport. Obviously, look at baseball and Pete Rose and what they've done to him. The guy's the all-time hit king. Yes, that's what Pete Rose was a little more involved in the sense that he was managing while he was betting and stuff like that. But I think it's as simple as this for Calvin Ridley. Just don't bet on your sport and stuff like that. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he said he only bet like $1,500 and stuff like that. So what is the point and stuff like that? And it just, it just bothers me and stuff for a guy who kind of missed a half of last year with off the field issues and stuff like that with him, like mentally and stuff like that. So great. So take the time away from football, get right. And then come back strong when you're ready and you feel ready. But now it's almost like he's going to have almost like an almost two year absence away from the game of football. Like you're kind of, ruining your prime years of football now away from the sport. I think the NFL had to make an example out of him. I think with a one-year suspension, it does that. It's unfortunate, but at the same time, it's almost like, from my thing, it's almost like you just don't mess with the integrity of the game and betting is. I know he didn't have any insider info and stuff like that, but think about, again, if the NFL came down soft on this, like the potential that it could lead to, you know what I mean? The biggest thing of football is like their product not being like, hurt in a sense you know what i mean and like that's honestly what the nfl values and with this one it's kind of just again reinforcing the idea that you're going to mess with some of the potential like on the field like outcomes of games uh-uh, that's not going to happen we're going to put the hammer down hard and we're going to make sure that this doesn't happen again yeah i mean un- unfortunate for calvin ridley but hey i mean even though if you're if you're not playing you, you can't be putting Falcons money line or something in a parlay and expect it to just be all right. I saw like, I obviously don't think Calvin really has a gambling problem. I don't know how much he bet, but like $1,500 for an NFL athlete. It's kind of like chump change. Not going to lie. It's not like us throwing on a team like $1,500 is nothing for him. So I don't know. Maybe he was just out of it. He wanted to just gamble a little bit for fun, but obviously I think it's unfortunate. I think um, if this stay, if this full year punishment stays, which probably is, I think obviously Calvin really learned. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna be betting. I'm not gonna be betting Falcons money line anymore. So, yeah, I think it's unfortunate for a guy who, at least coming into last year, was on the complete rise, had a really good 2020 season, and then 2021. Didn't start off great, and then obviously he he left the team due to personal reasons. Now he's going to be out all of 2022. So, honestly, I think Calvin Ridley just like such a talented wide receiver. You just hope to see him back in um, after next season, and hopefully he's able to come back and be just as good as he was in 2020. So, Because, I don't know, you, you hate, like, it's not like a running back. Running backs primed are not as long, but, I mean, being away from the game, for two full year, almost two full years, it might be tough to at least get like back originally. But hey, I hope Calvin really learned not to be betting, and he's back um to being a dynamic playmaker in I guess twenty uh twenty twenty three. Yeah, listen, I definitely hope for Calvin Ridley to be back and producing at an elite level like he was because he's again an awesome receiver to watch, and he was really on the come up again, kind of right outside like a fringe. If you aren't even asking me, top ten receiver. If he had a really good year this past season, I think people could put him into that conversation. And yeah, and you know what? It, it kind of does suck. You know what I mean? Because core, who doesn't want to kind of put their feet up on a Sunday afternoon and throw a three leg parlay? You know what I mean? Everybody wants to. I mean, again, we give you guys picks. Maybe Calvin Ridley was listening to us and he was like, "Oh, these guys like the Falcons this week. Yes, yeah, so do I. Let me throw on them." But unfortunately, when you're in the NFL, it's just one of those things you can't do. So do, am I upset for Calvin Ridley? Because it's like almost like an innocent crime in a sense. Yes, I guess. But at the same time, it's as clear as that, man. You're in the NFL. Just can't bet on the NFL. Sorry, Calvin Ridley. It's a shame that we'll, we'll miss you. 
but hopefully you can get back in 2023 and hopefully you can return to being a top tier wide receiver in this league. A couple other wide receiver news score, Mike Williams signs a deal three years, $60 million, $28 million in the first year, which I'm assuming is just a way that they could get out of the deal a little bit earlier and maybe that the Chargers expect to not use all their cap space this year. So kind of want to front load that deal a little bit, which I don't completely hate. I don't, I think Mike Williams three for 60 is a little much. I think Mike Williams like has been kind of inconsistent throughout his career. And I think that last year was finally like more of a coming out party for him. But even last year too, Corey, there was a lot of games where you all either get a really good Mike Williams or you get a Mike Williams who's not like, really there in that game, or maybe he's just taking a lot away from the defense is what I should say. One of the best contested catchers down the field in the league by far. I mean, some of the spectacular grabs that he's made in over the course of his young career have been good. Clearly they see a good connection between him and Justin Herbert and a good fit of Mike Williams next to Keenan Allen to pay him that amount of money. But I mean, yeah, again, my, my initial reaction is, is slight overpay, but if again, the connections there with Herbert and they have the money for it, I, I guess I'm not completely against it then. Yeah, I mean, three for 60 is a lot, but I think Mike Williams this year kind of – I know he's had like an 1,000-yard season in his career, but this year I feel like he kind of took another leap, obviously, at least early in the season. So, I don't know. I know the Chargers didn't make the playoffs, but I, their offense was pretty fun to watch. So, I think – to, to keep Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, a duo that I'd say is probably one of the best, one of the best duos, honestly, in the NFL amongst wide receivers with Justin Herbert. Um, I, I guess it's worth three, three years, 60 million, I guess, to keep, keep that guy and keep the, the core intact. I, I like the move. I think you got to stay competitive, especially in the AFC West. I think Mike Williams, obviously, like you said, one of the best um, contested catch makers in the NFL. So, yeah, I think it's good to see him back in L.A. And the offense should be a top offense come 2022 next year. Yeah, definitely with that division getting even more stacked, they need all the offensive firepower they can get. So bringing back a guy like Mike Williams will definitely help that. Corey, we kind of mentioned it even a little earlier. Amari Cooper expected to get released from the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys have invested a first-round pick in C.D. Lamb. But Michael Gallup, all for twin ACL, is also a free agent. So I thought maybe that, you know, like now, I mean, as much as a surplus that you had a wide receiver, now the Cowboys, without maybe Michael Gallup, I don't know if they plan to bring him back or not, and Amari Cooper potentially being released, definitely the wide receiver looking a little smaller in Dallas. Listen, I think C.D. Lamb is on his way to supplant Cooper as the number one in Dallas. But I don't know. I think, like, I definitely didn't expect this. When I saw the report coming out, I definitely thought it was kind of um, – kind of surprised me a little bit. I know he's getting a lot of money and maybe money that the Dallas has tied up other places, obviously with Dak Prescott's new deal and Ezekiel Elliott's getting paid there. Demarcus Lawrence, there are other guys who need money there, but I don't, I, so I guess for them, Amari Cooper's not worth what, like the 20 million he was getting, but I don't, I, this one just, just, just seems kind of weird to me. You know what I mean? Kind of caught me off surprise. I guess we'll see Amari Cooper in a different Jersey come 2022, but I'm definitely excited to see his market and, I mean, what's crazy is that, like I said, he's getting released for – he's making like $20 million a year or whatever on that old contract he signed. I feel like Cooper could definitely sign a deal too. I mean, again, Mike Williams just signed for three for 60. I think Cooper, he had a deal that's pretty similar to his own, maybe $15, $60 million. I know his biggest problem has been like staying healthy and staying on the field and stuff like that. But I think Cooper, there's going to be a team out there that definitely pays. Yeah, I mean, I think Amari Cooper in – in 2021, obviously, he, he didn't put up, like, his best statistical season. But, no, no, I still think Amari Cooper, you put him on a team. Um, I think he could be your he could be your number one wide receiver. I'm, like, I'm not saying he's going to, like, him as your number one wide receiver is going to be great. I think – I feel like he's still – I still think he's a really good wide receiver. I feel like he's kind of seen better days, though. I know he's only 27. But, I don't know, he kind of moves, like, a little slower out there. These days, I still think obviously still one of the best route runners in the NFL. So, yeah, I expect the market to be pretty, um, pretty heavy after him. I think any team to get Amari Cooper would be pretty big. Um, the Packers, I think the Patriots would be um, a pretty good fit. I know he didn't play with Mac Jones, but you got that Alabama connection. And hey, I mean, as a Jets fan, I, I'd love to see Amari Cooper on the Jets. Um, just go get it. Go get a wide receiver for Zach Wilson to throw to. So, 
yeah, I expect the market to be after Amari Cooper because I still I think like he has seen better days, but I still think he has a decent amount left in the tank to be a really good receiver in the NFL. So kind of surprising to see Dallas didn't happen yet, but like say that they think they're going to release Amari Cooper because I think a guy like as talented as him, I know he's making a lot of money, but like you don't see a guy like that get released very often besides like Odell, but like, yeah, I think it's pretty rare for that to happen. Yeah. And it goes to show you almost kind of what they think maybe of their offense with like Dalton Schultz and a guy like that, because they needed some money and stuff. You get your franchise take Dalton Schultz for $11 million. And then you release Cooper. It's almost like saying like, I'm not saying of course that they value Schultz more than Cooper, but they value Schultz enough that they'd be willing to move off of Cooper. And they think that they could bring in a different receiver maybe to replicate Amari Cooper's production puts a lot of pressure though on CD lamb coming into this next year. If you move on from Amari Cooper and if Michael Gallup's not there too, everybody, all eyes go to CD lamb. You know what I mean? A guy who's had, of course, a great first two years in his NFL career. But again, I'm not going to say he wasn't, he, he wasn't the first option there when he was there. You know what I mean? There were a lot of guys other there. Now, when it's you, like, how can you perform with that? I know they have Cedric Wilson there, another younger receiver who probably get a little bit more of a chance this year to play a little bit. So definitely some change up at the wide receiver position in Dallas. Of course, you know that they're always going to try to make a splash. So they'll definitely have something in their back pocket for this. And Corey, that's going to kind of wrap it up for our episode. I mean, one last thing I guess I'll mention, because we were going to talk about the combine before all this stuff came out really in the last couple of days. I mean, the NFL combine, every single guy is blazing fast. That's the overwhelming takeaway from this. Jordan Davis, specifically, one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen running a 478 people that that guy will not get out of pick 20 i know people will argue that he's maybe only a two down lineman when a guy can move like that he can get after the passer too he's crazy the other guy trayvon walker too on georgia ran like a four five and his measurables are ridiculous too so overall i mean you got a guy running a four two three from i believe it was baylor i want to say i can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head just missed the record i mean that one day core NFL Network completely botched it, and they had people like Olave ran like a four two six, which is like almost like point like almost two tenths of a second off his actual time. Another guy from Baylor, they said broke the record. He was about a tenth of a second off the time. So I mean, remember we used to do stock up, stock down, stock up for the combine forties, stock down for that NFL Network timer, man, because that was kind of tough. But um, I mean, these guys kind of ran pretty well, and I, I just wanted to give them a little bit of a shout for that. Yeah, Baylor. These guys on Baylor, I mean, they probably could have assembled, like, a division. Like, they probably could have assembled a, uh, a, like, national championship track team with, like, the runners they got on that team. Like, they probably could have been, like, the four by 100 race and, and won the nat- like won a national championship. Yeah, those guys, had, I don't know. I don't know what's, what's going on at Baylor, but I know at least three guys were running, like, under 4-4, I think, so. I guess stock up. Most of the guys at the combine were running fast, but I'm like complete stock up. It's got to be the Baylor, the Baylor skill guys, Baylor speed and agility coach getting his guys right for the combines. Cause those guys, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they're eating down in uh down in Texas, but those guys are just flying out here, casually just running like four threes. So um, yeah, it's a stock up Baylor, Baylor uh, football players in the combine. Yeah, it was a good week, definitely, to be a Baylor Bear. But with that core, that's going to kind of do it for today's episode. Instead of kind of recapping the combine, closer to the draft, then we're going to definitely go a lot more in-depth and stuff like that. Because obviously, we kind of want to wait for these guys at at their pro days, too, to work out. I know Evan Neal didn't work out at the combine. Matt Corral's the only quarterback, I believe, who didn't throw at the combine. Obviously, these quarterbacks, again, are going to throw at their own pro days. So I definitely kind of want to wait for that. And maybe that'll definitely give us a little bit more of a well-rounded sense of where teams Teams value certain guys as well as where we maybe value certain guys. I know you don't take a ton of stock into just one day throwing in shorts and a t-shirt, but it also helps when you hear about interviews and how well people are interviewing and how well these teams kind of like them. But Corey, anything you kind of want to leave off with here? Not really. I mean, just pretty um, eventful week. I know the draft's coming up soon. So yeah, we'll be there. We'll be here recapping combine draft preview. And yeah, that's it. That's about it. Good to be back. Yeah. And the new yeah, for sure. Definitely good to be back on a podcast here. I mean, the new league technically year opens in a week from now. So free agency starts. I'm definitely excited for that. We'll definitely be on at some point 
maybe towards the end of next week, or if not literally that Monday starting the week after. And we're definitely going to recap the beginning days of free agency. I'm definitely expecting a lot of change up here, and I'm definitely excited for it. With that, all that being said, that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball underscore. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.